Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. So we're talking about absolutes, and how do absolutes play out in your life? Have you caught yourself using them? Any stories around that? They never do. You never do? <laughs> Have you ever thought to yourself or said, even out loud, like, it doesn't do me any good to talk to my boss. They never listen. Or my opinion never counts, right? Is, is that really true? Has there never been a single time where you, where your opinion counted or where your boss was willing to listen? Now, granted, maybe, I mean, there are some bosses out there that maybe fit into that category of, <laughs> they never listen, but that's not the point. It's not the, you know, the subject here, the ma subject matter is not the point, right? Subject matter is your thinking and your use of the absolutes. Yeah. If you're a time to save spots, right on. I was actually just talking to a friend before I joined and she's becoming a little bit of the mindset of it doesn't do any good to help people mm. because they will take and take and take and leave you drained. And I was intimately familiar with that mindset of, holy crap, if you're going to get screwed, you're going to get screwed, you know, like, and that's how it goes. And she is now in that and I'm, and I'm on the other side of it. And so I was able to kind of go back and say, well, you know, okay, so this batch of clients that you have currently, they're not a good group of people, but let's go back to the such and such a client. Like, didn't you really help them? And they were grateful and they paid you and, you know, everything was good. Well, yeah, I guess I had them. And so by the end of the conversation, we were able to say, okay, so maybe it's not a danger to not trust anyone or to think that everyone is out to screw you, you know, just put a little bit of light on it. But she was very much in that position this morning where it was like, holy crap, like everybody that give an inch to will take a mile. Yeah. Very good uh, story, Sue. I told you about my, my son, I think, um, but just to refresh the memories. So he's now single, uh, 31, I think. And, uh, he tells me a, a little while back in his dating experience, he said, dad, nobody here in the North, none of the women here in the Northwest want to have kids. It's outrageous. <laughs> like, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, champ is, is that true? Yeah, none of them want to have kids. You know, you bring up kids and they just shut you down. Like, hmm. So not one of the hundreds of thousands of women up in the Northwest want to have kids. Really? So you've sampled the entire marketplace and you know that none of them. <laughs> you, he was pretty adamant for a little while, but I think he backed down and realized that the use of his absolutes, because it's not true, right? He just needs to keep putting himself out there. That's what's funny about catching people in these absolutes is, is to really draw the light on that. Like really you've dated every single woman within your 
you know, like just think about how many that gets, you know, that's lots. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a different conversation. If he's about that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I brought that up. Sometimes I keep remembering, you know, thinking like you, that we're, we're going to do this whole blind spots dating service thing. You know, I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> no, that would be dangerous. But I'm just Blind spots dating. It's, it's not that all women that he's looking at, it's that the, it's the ones that he's choosing. There's the qualifiers and the boundaries that we can bring into these absolutes, help us understand what it is the real problem. Well, yeah, good point, Shannon. That's exactly right. It's what are the, you know, what are the boundaries in our, how, how do we qualify our statements, our thinking? And, uh, and that helps us to drill into what kind of changes we can make. Mark, you look like you wanted to jump in on that. Please, Mark, you're the relationship expert. Uh, I guess it depends on where he was finding his dates in terms of that. So, right, uh, right. I'd like to hear a little bit of feedback just on how how is the absolute thinking bitten you, and what's the cause? What what cause has cause and effect has happened in your life because you have actually believed one of those absolutes? How has it held you back? I like Mark, that's a that's a great question because then isn't that true? What Sue just said there a little while ago about her friend believe that everybody is out there to get me. Now, what kind of life is that person going to be living and protecting themselves because they're living that absolute? But what also what also people working through that they're feeling there's some absolutes. It can have devastating effects. When I was uh, twelve, I tried to kill myself. What I said to myself at the time was, my life has been shit, my life is shit, and my life will always be shit. Mm. Like, I, I do not see anything ever getting better for me. And so I tried to end it all. So it can have devastating consequences if you can't get yourself out of that absolute mindset. I was so entrenched in it that I honestly couldn't see any better anythings. I couldn't see a future, right? Mm. Um, and I don't find myself anymore having absolutes because I will challenge myself, Kevin, just like you challenged your son. I will challenge myself on that. Now, come on, is it really everybody? And, you know, due to these last six years that I've been living, there has been still, even in my darkest times, some hope of the light at the end of the tunnel. So I, even in these last six years, I haven't found myself in the absolute world. Thanks for sharing that, Sue. It was vulnerable. Thanks, Sue. That's, uh, that's exactly because that's my take on absolute boots is they can create a hopelessness. Yeah. And when you don't have hope in something, you, your effort, your energy, everything changes towards that thing. So even your friend you were talking to, eventually that belief will get her treating people poorly and her success is affected. So how many times have we had our success affected? Licky knows this. I can be transparent. I have uh, sometimes a limiting belief. And if I think of, and I used to say that I used to say I I've got gifts, but my gifts are really just designed for a really small 
uh, groups in certain situations, and and I probably will just always serve people and not make a great deal of money or be famous or be this. And and it was because I believed that you know my thing was just for these people. And I've come to realize that that is a limiting belief or an absolute that was hurting my career. It's hurting my advancement. And uh, I started to have to look around me and challenge that thought so that I could actually start to grow and move forward and have more impact. And so I wonder how it's affected your careers. If you look back and, and maybe affected your ability to, to trust, to believe in yourself and others. It's good, Mark. Kevin, the question for you is so absolutes are words, but what if a statement like, I'm not smart enough, and you keep on living that conversation, is that an absolute as well? Yeah, that's the that's the uh, intertwining of the absolutes and limited thinking, right? When you say, I am this, it, you're making a, an absolute statement. Uh, I am unlovable. That's an absolute statement, and it impacts your limiting beliefs. It impacts everything about your life, frankly. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Then you keep on living that, and that's that's always the case, right? I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. So that's the self-fulfilling prophecy of it. Yeah, you keep repeating that, and you'll start believing that. And then, unless you make some changes, yeah, I think that that can sort of dictate the path of your life. It certainly impacts how you come across to others. When I first got out of prison, I, uh, I sold cars new and used for Honda. Miserable experience, by the way. <laughs> but uh, what made it miserable is uh, somebody's absolute statement and their own limiting belief. Because I'm the guy on the lot who is like, if I knew a car was a lemon, I'm like, I'm not selling a car to anybody. <laughs> Unless it's a mechanic and they're looking for a lemon. And so I would tell somebody, it's like, uh, you know, I know you're liking this car right now, but it is not a good car to buy. You're going to sink money into this thing because it's got issues. And uh, I had one woman just look at me and she said, just get away from me because you're nothing but one of those sleazy used car sales. It's like, now that is a limiting belief tied with her own absolutes that all car salesmen are just sleazy salesmen. My point there is that your absolutes and the limiting thinking that comes with it and beliefs impacts other people. It's not just even us. It impacts our ability to relate to other people. Well, in fact, absolutes create judgment. Mm-hmm. For yourself and for others. Yeah. They create biases. Right. Yeah. You mentioned hope, Mark, at one point. It made me wonder, like, what, what are some of the other positive or negative outcomes of having absolutes or recognizing, you know, the absolutes. So if you, uh, if you're living with absolutes, what can that cause as far as outcomes like cynicism, right? That can be a definite outcome of being using absolutes or Mary Poppins isms. Mary Poppins. Yeah. And I've been accused of Mary Poppins ish behavior these days. And that is kind of always seeing the good in everything and everyone and every situation and go around and, and, um, you know, somebody cuts you off and it's like, well, you know, they're probably on their way to someplace important, or maybe they're on their way to the hospital or to go get a loved one to take them to hospital or whatever. Like you don't know their situation. 
always, always like going around thinking the best of everything. So, you know, on the absolute side in looking maybe at everything through rose-colored glasses and not seeing things for what they are and therefore opening yourself up to being taken advantage of and which has happened. So, I mean, the other way too, you can either go the absolutes and get cynical and everybody's out to screw you and if you give them an itch, they'll take a mile. But on the other side, also not having that balance, right? And seeing things too much through rose-colored glasses and being too trusting and open. And I think they can go both ways. Mm. And I see a problem with both. <laughs> like that, you know, I really do. I think you need to find some kind of happy medium. If I'm hearing you right, Sue, it's um, it's not even the use necessarily of, of absolutes as far as words in that particular scenario. It's It's having maybe an absolute mindset that everyone is the good person with good intentions. So I'm going to believe the best in everyone and I'm going to, I'm going to look for the good or. Yep. It's harder to take responsibility when you have rose colored glasses on. It's, it's definitely symptomatic of, uh, of absolute thinking. Um, but yet it errs on the side of a positive trait, right? Trying to believe the best in people. And so the, the danger there is to recognize that and go, you know what? Not everybody has good intentions. Exactly. And yeah, to protect yourself, create some healthy boundaries. Profound insights. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Who else? Who hasn't shared yet? What are you, what are you all thinking? What are your thoughts? I have a question. A lot of people can hear managers and... When your employees or somebody comes up to you with an absolute, what are some of the ways that you can help them to understand that it's an absolute statement and, and get the reality check? What are some more subtle ways that we can guide people to seeing uh, what the reality of the situation? We had to be very careful in how we approach that absolute with people, especially the workplace. And it's a good question, Shannon. I'd love to hear sure. how, how people would want to be received on that. I always say you should never have said that, but that's not going to work. <laughs> Mr. Tatura, he's awake. And I, thought, I have a slightly different take on it. And I think that people use absolutes to actually justify their position. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that if maybe more than just justification, it's a defensive mechanism. So let me give you an example. I was working with uh, a person that I know quite well, and they were looking for a job and, you know, I basically say, the economy is really bad, there's nothing available out. And I go, well, have you done this, 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 and this? And they had done nothing about it. But the fact that they had done nothing, and so to not look bad or to justify their position that they don't have a job and not able to work is there's nothing available out there because the economy is bad. 
right? So often we make the statements because we want to look good. And I think the ego may be coming into play a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's the justification that we need to make about ourselves so that we don't look bad or we have our position as the right position. No, that's very true. Good. Love all the different angles on this one topic. We had a cohort uh, some time back where there's um, there was this absolute between divisions between departments where I had one, where one department head took it upon themselves just to start taking on a huge burden of work because the other department never cooperates, and so there was this mindset and and uh, this sort of martyrism I guess in some way, but there was this mindset that the other department never cooperates. I'm just going to get this done myself, right? So at work, you know, yeah, this you gotta you gotta watch these absolutes and these mindsets as well. Is that really true? Have they never cooperated? <laughs> well, I guess there was a few times. Like, what are some of the questions that you can ask in order to prompt them to remember or trigger a story that will help guide them to understand that their absolute isn't true without telling them that it isn't? As a facts and figures, and most things are black and white, not everything. Most things are black and white. When I'm in that conversation with individuals, I look for quantifying data, right? I need to know if everything you touched that day about everything on that topic really is like that, that we have a problem. And we need to reflect on why we have that problem if everything is working out the way that you're telling me it's working out. I'm a... For facts and figures, it's patterns and inconsistencies. If the pattern you're on and every single thing you touch that day or that week or whatever has led to your belief that this is absolute, then I want quantifying results, right? What have you looked at? What have you touched? What have you seen? What else is out there? If this whole string of things, now let's dig a little deeper, the data you're looking at or the people that you're interacting with based on the data you have... Where's that data coming from? Is it is is there an inconsistency in the data that you're working with that maybe we can fix something, fix the approach or adjust? And, and it's never in like a, a pressure, like, show me everything you've done. It, it's more if this is what you've seen all week, all month, or this is how it feels all the time. What are you doing? Well, where are you collecting this data from? Because if it is always like this, I don't want it to always be like this. Let's find out where in the story the the hiccup might be, or if it's always appearing that way or always feeling that way, maybe maybe we got to look at a few other things, right? But I, I always try to collect data in a conversational form. Show me what else you've done. Show me the other clients that you've reached out to. If, if everybody's falling into this category, something in the mix isn't sitting the way it could. What can we adjust along the way? Never look okay. for a fix. Love that, Randall. What you, what I heard you say is you validated the other person in that hypothetical. Sure. Oh, well, no, that wasn't hypothetical. That's oh, right. wasn't. Okay. That, that, that has happened in my place. Oh, there you times. But you validated them, so they came with this feeling that everything is always, and you're like, okay, well, I hear you. Everything is always. Then, if that's the case, we need to dig deeper and find out why. Well, and, and I'm going to validate because I'm not doing their job. I'm not running into the things that they're running into. So. I can't say I, I don't, I don't want to, I could, and I did, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, I don't believe you. This is what I think, because we're going to have a whole other problem that's unrelated to the situation anyway. Right. 
it is validating and quantifying. I didn't really think of it that way because it was never about me. It's about that person's hitting a hiccup. They're hitting a wall and it's the wall after wall, after wall, after wall, and not feeling like they're getting anywhere. That's a pattern, right? Let's break yeah. this pattern down to find out where in the pattern we can make small adjustments to get you to kind of, you know, not quite, you know, as to explain, right? That, that almost toxic positivity, but let's find some silver lining. Not every person you talk to is like this. Yes, there will be some, we all deal with people. And they wait, every person has a different day on the day that you're dealing with them. And they could have been amazing people six months ago. And then you're like, what the hell happened to you? You were always like this. And today you're not. Well, are you always happy and not allowed to feel anything else, but happy? I have a slight problem with that one, Randall. And, and, and I appreciate which way you're going and from a coaching and consulting perspective, it makes sense. but if somebody's coming to you and saying that. I absolutely feel this way. And then you go, well, now give me data and give me validation. If I was in that position, I would almost become more defensive. But I'm and not then, seeking know, you... validation. I'm asking them to validate. Correct. But if somebody's asking me to validate, then you're like, okay, what I'm telling you, you're not believing me. And now I need to, you, you're questioning me about my belief. I actually seeking clarification of how you go about without making them more defensive. Yeah, and that's that's where um, Alcrim, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, that's where I picked up from what Randall's story was, is that he's simply validating. Remember, the uh, we all have heard the statement, perception is reality, which is a cliche, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not really true. Your perception is your reality in the moment. Your perception is your reality in the moment. So when somebody comes with an absolute statement and they say, everything is always this way, they believe that, right? That's their framework. That's their, that's how they're seeing the world in that moment. So if you can validate that their feelings are, their feelings are their feelings. Their perception is their perception. You don't have to attack it, but you can validate it and say, you know, I, I appreciate you feel like that. Now that concerns me because if everything is always that way, then we might have a problem in this procedure or this process or this department or this, you know, whatever's going on. And, uh, let's, let's dig deeper and find out what's going on. Right. So you're not attacking the person you're saying you're bringing them into this collaborative thinking of let's really break that down so we can get to the root and fix whatever the problem is. If you are in leadership at any level from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program. The fit, well, the finish that your statement, perception's reality, it's not always actuality. It's to validate what they're feeling. That will ask clarifying questions as the next step. You want to ask clarifying questions so that you can understand, invite the story, ask them, okay, I, how did you, I want to understand, how did you come to this conclusion? What are your experiences? And then you uh, have earned the right by that time to start reshaping the actuality and, and and asking the questions about, well, what would you want to do to move forward and start to empower 
Um, a lot of times people use these absolutes to justify their behavior, to justify what they're doing. And so, you know, those people, you're not going to help because they're in that moment, because they're just trying to make a point. So sometimes you just got to listen and hear their point and then uh, walk with them a little bit in it. But I think it's really important to affirm somebody's feelings. And then you talk about the thoughts that led to the feelings. And then you can reshape some of those thoughts and reframe. I call it reframing. We want to reframe some of those shot, uh, thoughts so that they can come to a different conclusion. Then their behavior will change. Most of us try to work on the behavior level. <laughs> so we're trying to change behavior or convince them that their behavior is wrong or that they're seeing it wrong. Uh, I think we need to get back to validate what they're feeling and seeing, what that worldview is and why it is. And uh, I think that shows value to them. I th think you need to, we want to always show people the value. No, that's good, Mark. And I think you bring up a really important dis differentiation or distinction, I guess, uh, in this process, if we, if we can call it that, is, as you said, sometimes people just want to be heard. They don't want you to probe. They just, they just want to vent, right? And so we have to be really in tune to when is the time to let somebody just vent versus when is the time to approach that and maybe take it to another level. Maybe the first time, maybe bet. Maybe the second or third time, it's like now it's now I got a little bit of a relationship or a conversation or we're in you know the right mood or the right atmosphere. Yeah, um, we can probe a little bit, right? The other piece I do, if it's about other people, quite often I'll just say listen, that we need to do something about that. Like Randall was saying, like, we need to do something about it. Why don't we call them in here and let's have a conversation. Let me be a bridge for you and to have this conversation so we can clear this up. That will tell you their intentions really quickly because uh, it's like, no way. I, they, you know, you can't tell it. I don't want them to know. Like if they're not willing to take the steps to work it out, then, then you kind of know where, where you stand. Mm -hmm. Some of the element too lives within self, right? Mark, some of it is not necessarily the environment. Some of it is not necessarily our employer or the things that are coming at us that we have no control over. Some of it, I think, has elements to do with self. And I, I will quantify my own data with my own story, which led to some pretty negative space, pretty powerful thoughts that, uh, I'm still here today. Let's go with that. And it all stemmed around education. I am stupid. I can't learn. I don't understand. I'll never get this. This doesn't make sense. This will never make sense. And, and that happened over many, many, many years. And it was personal self-advocacy that came back to that whole process and what helped dig me out of the space that I was in. I am not, I am smart. I am good. I will get this. However, the self-advocacy component I took into that was I will get this. I need you to show me something different. This is the result you want. This is how you need this to work. This is what you want to see. I'm not getting it the way that you are trying to give it to me, teach me specifically in education. Is there a different way? Is there some other way? And I, I mean, this is a kid in the eighties and nineties who there was only one way to teach. You taught to the middle, the smart kids figured it out. Them kids stayed behind and tried again. Teachers taught to the middle. And so 
through that process, I was able to, yeah, that's fine. You can teach it that way. I'm not understanding the process. What else can you give me to help me understand the process? Am I consistently getting the wrong answer in the same space? Then I've missed a piece, right? This comes back to why I ask other people, because I need to know which part of the process, because I'm familiar with how that process feels. I'm familiar with where that person is coming from. And I don't need to tell them this story for an individual to understand that I get it. I immediately just go to, is it always, is it because, is it, you know, try to work through the part to like, oh, I heard this in this story, in this process. And let's, let's focus on that for a second. What happens in here? You know, printing reports or calling clients, whatever it might be. Right. I mean, we can apply this in a lot of different ways, but I think when, when you're stuck in your absolutes and and you don't want to Mary Poppins your way out of it, but you, you may need some silver lining to get you through the moment that you're in, there needs to be an element of self-advocacy that comes with it. Right. It is not always like this. I don't always feel like this. I am smart in other things. I wonderfully learn different than others. That's a great thing. Others need to figure out what they can do different and let me help them work with me, right? If I give you all the goods of what I need from you to just to execute, whatever it might be, you're going to be able to tell me a few different things. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I understand what you're talking about, or I see from your point of view, how I can make this different for you to help you get to where you want to be because I recognize you need to move forward or want to move forward or, or just want to learn more. Right. Well, but yeah, no, I think that's a, I think you made some really key points there, Randall. And I think we're, we're all supposed to how it affects our lives, right? Cause we are all individuals yet we're in a society of having to prove ourselves always and living up to, or as I said, always living up to others' expectations. And we are individualistic. Specific to that, and, and from a coach in a different space, through through some great conversations, I have learned the difference between green, yellow, and red light days. And being able to access that right away. If I need to support a staff member, and I'm in a yellow light day, and you know I communicate right away, this is not a 120% day. This is a little bit low for me. I'm willing to help you. But if this is not of a pressing concern, let's talk about it. If you're seeking a solution, I don't know if I'm able to provide that immediate today, but give me some time. I'll help you out. I just need to get there. Right. Whereas on a red light day, I'm like, mm, I'm here to just get what the bare minimums today, because that is all I got to give. Yeah, Randall, on that note, I was on the fat mark. He was talking to his daughter, who was, I think, 26, 27 years old. And he didn't realize that she was actually seeing a therapist. And he go, she goes to him because one of the things that we're learning in our generation that when we phone somebody now, and they actually do phone once in a while, is they ask, the first question they ask is, do you have space for me? He was blown away. I was blown away. What a great question. Do you have space for me? The second question is, do you want me to just listen and have empathy, or do you want advice from me? So basically, the question is, do you have the emotional bandwidth to manage my crap without going to throw at you right now? And a lot of us, just think that it's okay just to go ahead and do it and to be okay with taking it in when you don't have the bad word. You know, you, you, what you're saying there, Licky, brings me back to the whole personality and behavior styles that we've talked about over and over on competitors, motivators, peacemakers, analyzers, right? Because uh, I know <clears throat> for a competitor like me, it's uh, my, I'm wired to 
solve problems. You bring something to me and I'm like, I'm, I'm on it. I'm thinking, okay, let's, let's fix this. And you might not want to be fixed or you want, don't want the problem to be fixed. You just want to be heard. Um, where stabilizers or peacemakers rather are, you know, they have an easier time connecting and relating and having that empathy and let me listen. Right. Um, not that we all don't try to fix or we all can stay silent, but just from a general wiring standpoint, it's interesting how each of us would approach this kind of a situation slightly differently. Unless of course we're in a, a state of awareness, which is the ultimate goal, right? Paying attention. I listened to a lot of Brene Brown audiobooks, and, uh, her voice just came right to my head. She was telling a story. I'll just leave out all the details, but she was telling a story. She called a friend. Oh my God, I feel like this horrible. And her friend said, oh my God, I, I, I feel you because I have felt the same way. What can I do for you? What do you need to, what do you need from me today? And it was that simple, that empathy of like, oh, I feel this. Oh, you know, I, I felt, I have felt the same way. Now, what do you need from me? Yeah, but Kevin, on, on that same note, similar to what I just said about the space, there's not everybody has the space to give empathy when they're, they're fatigued with empathy. They're tired, they're dealing with their own crap. They've got their own mindsets going on that somebody comes in front of me at times, I just don't have to struggle or even to think and be empathetic. Mm -hmm. That question that, or setting the boundaries and saying, you know what? I, I feel for you. I love you. I care for you, but I just don't have it in me today. It's hard as a coach to say, I just don't have it in me today. It would be hard as a leader. Yeah. To be able to say that yet. Yet. Though I hear that this would be my challenge. And as I point my finger at me too, as I, as I, as I wag it here, you know, but here'd be, you know, the challenges as leaders in the workplace, especially even when we're suffering with, uh, empathy fatigue, uh, also AKA compassion fatigue, especially in the health industry, when we're suffering from that, we have to sometimes bulldoze through occasionally. I disagree, Kevin. I'm going to challenge you on that. I think you it's know? okay to stay out of space today. Can we take this up tomorrow? We'll give you a few minutes and let me, let me work through this and I'll get back to you. I think it's okay to say, I don't have the space because if you can bulldoze to it, they're going to see it, especially if you're fatigued. It, I would say it depends on the situation at hand, yeah. right? Yeah. Some, there are some urgencies in the workplace. Sure. Uh, sometimes sure. not. So I would agree. Been a lively conversation about absolutes. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.